All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, the fourth episode of the East Village Times San Diego State University Sports Podcast. I am Jason Freund. I am joined by Evan Anderson. Yes, hello. Hello, Evan. And we are joined by a special guest today. We have with us fellow East Village Times writers, Paul Garrison. Paul, how are you doing today? Well, well, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain. Cannot complain about today. It's actually a cold right now out here and like out here where i live so other than that i actually really like the cold weather it's really nice i prefer over eat very good very good yeah nice nice little day although we uh we've been going out and taking my kids to play to do batting practice out at the local parks and uh we're we're kind of pathetic with uh not having our kids suffer anything so it was 60 degrees and windy we were like ah it's too much for too much for him so we've stayed in but it's it's been a nice day it was certainly was a nice day for the san diego state aztec basketball team on uh how about that for a transition i like it i like it i like it yeah um certainly had a very good day against the air force academy falcons um i think a 98 to 61 victory i think that qualifies as good what do you guys think you think it's good Oh, I think it was too mean. You can't do that to the Air Force. <laughs> I asked the question uh, in the press conference um, to Terrell Gomez leading up to the game, and I said, hey, man, you know, is it, is it special being able to go to the service academy two days after a new president is inaugurated, you know, and he thought it was a really cool thing, and um, they didn't seem to take that into consideration when they played, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't sitting there saying transition of power. Thank you for democracy. We appreciate what you guys do. It, it was an ass whooping, you know, it was, it was something else. Yeah, that was this game had a new starting lineup and it featured 13 players for the first time since the first two games or so of the season. Dutcher, he described it as going to the dentist. You never want to, you're always nervous, but he said it was a clean checkup, a great game all around for the Aztecs. And, you know, and I, I think what he was referring to is um, since, since I believe um, and, and that since he's come on campus with Fisher, they've actually had a losing record at Air Force. <clears throat> so since 2000, they were 9-11 and 11 coming into the game, and they can obviously make it 11-11 and 11 with the two wins this weekend. And so I think that he understands that. I mean, it, it hasn't mattered who they've brought into Plume Arena. They have, um, they've struggled and it's been a difficult game and it's been, you know, you guys are probably too young to remember this part of it, but Air Force was ranked and they were like the best team in the conference. I think it's like 05, 04, 06, somewhere in that area in all of those years. And even those games um, were always really hard fought and just in ways that, like you never would expect it. They have always had a difficult time with Air Force on the road. It's also, I think it's because of that. It's that really special, like different brand of offense that Air Force plays. They always bring like that Princeton style of offense to games. And it always seems like, Paul, you're totally right. It always seems like whenever we have to go up against Air Force, it's always like, I see Air Force and schedule. I'm like, oh, here we go again, Air Force. All right, <laughs> here it is, we're going to go. A slow, bogged-down game. We're going to miss a lot of shots. We're probably going to win by, like, two or three points. That'll be the decider. 
And that's what I was expecting going into this game. Like, okay, it's Air Force again. It's Princeton offense. It's going to be slow. Our guys have been missing shots all day against Utah State. This is going to get ugly fast, isn't it? It's going to be one of those trap games. But uh, that didn't happen. It certainly didn't happen this round. <laughs> but I think you can, you can see why Dutcher was calling it going to the dentist, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. just spoke about it. Here we go again. They're going to be monotonous. They're going to be doing the backdoor Princeton offense. And so I think you can really see that, which is why this game um, that is gonna, that's coming up, it has, it has that feel again of, of the second game at altitude and that trap that you were referring to. Mm-hmm. Well, so as much as we're focusing on Air Force's defense or offense, uh, SDSU's offense had some life after a disappointing series against Utah State. Five players scoring double digits <clears throat> and three of those players coming off the bench and scoring double digits. Uh, pick, pick one of these players. You can't go wrong. Between Mensa, Shackle, Seiko, Ag, and Dinwiddie, like that's amazing. Ooh, it's it's like a kid in a candy store. It's like what what do I pick? What do I want first? They're all good. Everything was good here. It's like, ooh. Paul, what do you think? Um, you know, the two that really jump out to me the most are Seiko and a rope. Um, the reason being is because those are two starters. Uh, when at the start of the season, a rope started the year, and Seiko has been starting the last you know handful of games since a rope went down with uh, being sick and uh to be able to go from starter to coming off of the bench seeing your minutes you know decrease be you know in that area of what they were getting before and not like throwing a fit not making that some like you know sticking point that you're not getting your minutes you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing that they were able to for the betterment better of the of the team take that reserve role and not only accept it, but come in and just play really, really well. Um, you know, a rope had only played 10 minutes, but in those 10 minutes, he had 14 points. Seiko didn't play 20 minutes, 18 total. He also had 14 points. And when with the, with the defense that the two of those play, if state can get that level of production from those two players, they are going to be very difficult to beat. It's when those two bring the defense that they bring, but then they disappear on offense and they don't bring anything on that side, that state becomes mediocre. But if those two players can bring the offense that they had against Air Force the rest of the year, the, the team becomes very, very much um, – they can beat anybody, quite frankly, um, and they could make a deep run in the tournament. Um, otherwise, you know, you're, you're looking – something a lot less so it's really it's been really the role players that are going to determine um how far the team will go absolutely mm-hmm. uh so i want to start diving into some other aspects shackle finally found the shot again i feel like from deep specifically he's consistently been one of the top scorers for sdsu but three for six from deep seven for 13 overall tallying 18 points I think that's very comforting because once again, we are on game that this was game two without Matt Mitchell. Shackle has to be the guy on the court. He and Mensa traditionally have been the only two starters to score a lot outside of Mitchell. So if Shackle's feeling happy again, if he's able to score, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a good game. We are recording this just before the second air force game. So I'm hoping for some good things getting out of Shackle. We are 
praying for that. And I think this is the kind of game that Jordan Shackle really needed. He was cold for a while there. Like, he just couldn't find a shot. The baskets weren't coming as they usually were. So to have him just kind of go off like he did with here, like you said earlier, Evan, seven of what? Seven of 13 from field percentage, three of six from threes. He kind of needs that little confidence booster. It's almost like it was a tune-up game for him. It's like, okay, maybe he could fix his mechanics. Maybe he could realize that, hey, maybe I'm shooting the ball. Maybe I'm releasing a little bit too quickly here. So he kind of slowed down a little bit and just played basketball the way Jordan Shackle plays basketball. And it shows 18 points, two rebounds, assists, 25 minutes. He's the kind of guy you need when Matt Mitchell is down. He's your other shooter. And he's done this before, so it's exactly what we expected from Jordan Shackle. Dutcher said in the postgame uh, press conference that he that they reinvented their offense, that over the last uh, – they've installed a completely new offense for this game um, to take advantage of, of the things that you're talking about. Um, I, I really have been impressed with the way Shackle has been working from more of that like free throw line elbow area. Um, and, and I think that's a really good shot for him. He, he said that that's a shot he's been shooting his entire life. Um, and so <laughs> – if you've been shooting your whole life, man, you got to keep shooting it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great shot for him. Um, but, you know, I really think one of the places what helps him a whole bunch is what we just kind of talked about before is teams have been eyeballing him and playing him. Eyeballing is the wrong word. They've been, they've been putting a person on him wherever he goes um, and, and, and not double teaming other people because he's such a dangerous person shooting the ball, which means that other people – have the ability to work one-on-one elsewhere. And so you see Nathan Mensa, who was five of six from the field. Well, that's because he's playing somebody without any help. He was able to draw four fouls, shoot five free throws. Um, AG, he has five, he's five for five. He's able to draw uh, four fouls of his own. So by them being as dominant as they were, apart from him, teams cannot play defense like they were playing like teams like um, Utah State or Nevada played against Shackle. And so being able to have um, the other people succeed allows more space for him, who which then in turn goes and, and does, you know, what he can do when he has, you know, just a tiny bit of space. Mm-hmm. Also, one one guy I want to talk, talk about in particular, <clears throat> sorry about that. One guy I want to talk about in particular, this was like very late in the game, and when we started seeing like, all right, it's all right, call off the dogs, put the starters on the bench. They need a little bit of time to rest. So we're playing these guys on Sunday anyway. So might as well rest our starters. So it's time to put in the backups. One guy came in and really took advantage of the time that he spent in there. 13 total minutes on the court. Keith Dinwiddie Jr., the freshman, and coming in, he's making 13 points out there. What, what is this? Five and nine of field goals and three of six from three-point land. I'm watching this guy shooting bats. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's shooting daggers. Why hasn't he been playing more? Like, I, I understand he had the COVID thing, and then I heard about the injuries. But I'm like, why is this man not starting more? Yeah, I agree. I don't know if he knows how not to score. He He's a scoring machine. Absolutely. He's young. He's one of the three true freshmen between him Lamont Butler and Che Evans that just has you excited for the future for Aztec basketball. Like Che Evans got some minutes. He did great. Lamont Butler, first career start. 
he did all right for his first career start. I'll give him that. But Keaton Witte comes in late game and really just puts the icing on the cherry on the top. That's what I'm going to call it. I like that. I like that. Is it, you know, his brother plays in the NBA, right? Spencer, I think his name is. And, um, you know, he, he, he at Fairfax High, he, he, that's what he did. I mean, he scored. He was the um, LA City Player of the Year, uh, which, you know, the number of players in LA who go on to D1, et cetera, is really, really high. Um, but, you know, his, the knock on him is that he's undersized, things of that nature. But he absolutely just fills it up. Um, Dutcher said after the St. Catharines game that he wasn't surprised that Dinwiddie shot the most shots because he's just fearless. And, you know, he shot the second most shots and he didn't have the second most amount of playing time this past week. And he just, he's a bucket. I mean, he just makes shots. That's just what he does. Um, and it, it would, I would be interested to see, I don't think that he really got an opportunity after St. Catharines to build on it for all the things, Jason, that you were talking about with, uh, he didn't test positive for COVID, but I think what they said was that um, a few of the younger guys went to a social event that maybe they shouldn't have been at, um, that wasn't necessarily inside of the protocols that they were wanting to do, so just to play it safe and to uh, kind of get that point home that they needed to do what they needed to do. They uh, sat him out for a little bit of time and quarantined him away from the team, and then he uh, had that injury, uh, but Dutcher's been on record, and he said that he he anticipates him to be an all-conference player at some point at San Diego State, and and you could see that. Um, the, the interesting question about him is this team is not exactly lighting the world on fire offensively, and when you have somebody who can just straight shoot, especially, and this is to me, going back to the point with Shackle, especially when if somebody else can take pressure off of Shackle, it will create space for him. You get a player like Dinwiddie and you think, man, this guy needs to play. You know, this guy needs to get a few more minutes. On the other hand, I think, what, there's 11 games left? It's um, it's difficult to be able to do that. Um, so we'll see. And so we have to highlight some of the more negatives because as much as you score 98, you can't complain. But things that could improve to reach the triple-digit mark. In the 100 mark. One player I kind of want to highlight is Terrell Gomez, who is becoming a recurring topic on this podcast of he's either on fire or he is super cold. And this game have to be one of those super cold games. Of course, it didn't matter. But I think when we're talking about giving Keith and Witty minutes, they profile as just high scorers with not the best defense. And Gomez was one for eight in this game with the most minutes of any player for SDSU. Well, that's very nerve-wracking. I I will say this for Terrell Gomez. He had three points and he had four assists. That's not good. That's not a good stat line. However, he did still bring it on defense. He still – he had four steals. He – am I getting my – yeah, he led the team in steals with four overall steals. So at the very least, he's bringing the defense, but at the same time, you didn't bring Terrell Gomez in for his defense. You brought him here for his offense. You brought him here as a shooter. And the score only three points. I mean, yeah, you win by, God, what, 37 points. Yeah, it's a great time. But if this game was closer, we, should, we could have been looking at Terrell Gomez maybe as like a potential weak spot here. He, he's, it, he's hot. 
and then he's cold. It's just like what you did at Evan. And it's that inconsistency that I think is really frustrating a lot of Aztec fans right now. You know, and, and, and I'm sorry, I know I'm going to be here to talk about the negative, but um, I actually didn't see his game as being a negative, to be honest with you. Um, I think there's a couple things that work against him. <clears throat> First being that he's replacing Malachi Flynn, who was also a transfer. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, he's a transfer, so we need, we need, we need him to replace Malachi Flynn, right? Um, but but that I don't think is, is very is, is fair. Obviously, first round pick and uh, playing with the Toronto Raptors. Um, the other thing I think that's weird is he's never come off the bench in his life, so this was his first start with SDSU. Um, but he's been trying to acclimate his game to what they're doing at San Diego State, and I think he's done a very good job of that. Um, not so much in terms of. Uh, like you said, you're going to see these these this consistent score, but I think he is trying to find his niche and his place in this, in the team. Um, I am I personally was discouraged by only eight shots. Um, I would much rather have seen that be one of twelve. He needs to shoot the basketball, and when he doesn't know what to do anymore, he needs to shoot the basketball again, uh, especially when especially with Matt Mitchell out um, and, and, you know, over the next handful of games until they play Boise State, they're going to be big favorites in all of them. This is the time to be able to do that. But I was encouraged by the pace that he played the game with. I thought the team ran the ball and moved the ball better than it had um, when he wasn't starting. And I think um, doing that at the, at, at the outset of the game is very, very positive. Being able to run and push the pace I think it starts the, the way you kind of do the entire game. So I was actually encouraged with it. I, I think that if this game happened earlier and he doesn't shoot and make a couple shots at the very beginning, he's only going to walk away with four shots. The fact that he walked away with eight shots and the fact that he knows that that is what this team needs in order for them to win, I think is huge. Dinwiddie, for all of the hope and, and as great as he's been, um, He's always done that in garbage time. Terrell Gomez is a 19-point scorer for his career, something like that. Um, it's a little bit less, 19 last year. But he, this, this, he can score at this level. There is zero question about that. He is proven. He has the ability to do it. And if I'm going to, to gamble on who is going to be the person to, again, take State from being, you know, I mean, the, the team – defense is so good that a couple of buckets is the difference between winning and losing in every game and if i if i'm gonna put my if i'm gonna gamble and i'm gonna put my money down on a player who is going to be able to answer what needs to happen it's terrell gomez um and they he he again it didn't happen the shots didn't fall but he shot them and he needs to keep shooting them and he needs to shoot them even a little bit more you know, tonight when, when they play. Um, so I was actually, for, for a game, again, I, I four steals is a ton. Four assists in college basketball is really solid. Um, and I was actually encouraged, again, the pace and all those kind of stuff. Now, if we want to talk negatives, we want to talk negatives, and, we, and we'd have to, is, is I would talk Lamont Butler, and I would talk about the fact that he had six turnovers. Um, that's an insane amount of turnovers for a guard. And, and you can see the, the impact that he brings to the game. But again, in a close game, six turnovers loses, 
period. And you, you, uh, if you know, he can't as a freshman, he can't be the kind of player that's risk reward. He's he can't be a player that that is boom or bust. You know where he's going to do really great things and he's going to do equally horrible things. Um, because State's defense is so good, turnovers kill him. If they can lower the turnovers and they can have their defense the way that it is, that's their recipe for success. That said, you score ninety eight points. You're up by 50. It's you're really, really, really picking teeth and really, really nitpicking, I should say, to be able to find things that are negative in a game like that. Didn't for me. So you that was a great defense of Gomez. And now it's my time to go to a Butler's defense because I'm slowly becoming a fanboy of him. I think it's this freshman attitude where he was the player in high school. For this happens with all these guys. Yeah. They are just the best. Their competition is simply not on the same level. And I like that he is that aggressive type of player. He does push the offense to be faster, like what you were saying with Gomez. And unfortunately, sometimes that players get a steal on him or he makes bad passes. I do think as a team, SCSU had four turnovers before we had a single bucket, which is kind of crazy to me, the fact that they turned around and had such a good game. Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, I, 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 you're the one who brought in said, we got to go negative, man. So I, I have a hard time even with anything, <laughs> with anything, trying to find any sort of negative with, with, with what happened. Um, but, you know, you do have to go there a little bit. You do. And Dutcher did say in the post game, like you just, you just can't have a point guard that turns the ball over um, that many times. And, you know, you want to look at a player who is spectacular. You're looking at Lamont Butler. You want to look at a player who makes you go and say, wow, who's this kid? It's Lamont Butler. The flip side of it is, though, is you know who's probably the most vanilla player in, in, in SDSU history? He also turns out to be the winningest. DJ Gay. I mean, you go and you just you just go and you, and, and you say, okay, DJ Gay, okay, great, great. What, 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 what? I mean, you don't remember him. And except the, what you yeah. do remember is DJ. My kids still, my kids still do that when they're playing out on the on their with their with their hoop, you know. So we do remember that. But DJ Gay, DJ Gay was solid. He never turned over the ball. He got it up court, got the team in position, got the athletes where they needed to be hit shots when everybody else was paying attention to all the other players, right? I mean, his shot against Colorado State where he just put a dagger in the Rams' heart. I mean, you know, great, great finish. Mm -hmm. But he started all four years because he didn't turn over the ball. And Lamont Butler is, is, has, has been going, growing into playing time, and you see why. Because he has a turnover issue. He has an issue where, where he hasn't figured out yet at this level, to your point, Evan, about being the man um, in Riverside, played the same high school with the, where Reggie Miller played, actually dethroned Reggie Miller as the all-time leading scorer in that school's history. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're passing Reggie Miller in any conversation, it's, 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 it's something, right? I mean, you would think of him as being a uh, pass-first kind of traditional point guard except he passed Reggie Miller for the leading score at his, at his high school, right? And, and so he's, he's spectacular. But for him to have the confidence 
that he needs that. And it's one thing when you have a 50 point lead to keep staying out there and staying out there and staying out there in a close game. He doesn't get the minutes that he gets that he got this last game because you just, you just can't afford those turnovers. You can't afford the sloppy passes. You can't afford getting blocked at the rim. You can't afford those things. And, um, and so he has to, and what we're all hoping for, and we all think he's going to do eventually in his career is he's going to eliminate the turnovers and he's going to keep the stick back there. He's going to keep the instincts that you see where he's able to get into a passing lane that nobody else on the court understands that he's going to be able to get into that. He's going to be able to come up from behind and he's going to get his hands to be able to, on a ball and a deflection that no one else is going to be able to do. He's going to be able to know that, um, that Kata on Utah State has four fouls, and so he's going to give him a veteran-savvy pump fake and draw his fifth foul to get him removed from the game when no one else would be able to do that on the court. And those kind of instincts are off-the-chart spectacular. Um, I think Dwayne Poley really early on tweeted out, give this guy the keys to the team. And that's why, because he does things that no one else uh, on the team has been able to do, which is what Matt Mitchell describes as playing outside of the script, right? Playing outside of what the coaches call. You want to you want to be able to 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 just beat your person. Find a way that that it's outside of what the coaches are calling and just be better. And that's what Lamont Butler is. And and the question for him becomes: Does he eliminate the turnovers this year? That turns him into an all-conference level player. He won't win anything because it's too late in the year. But he can play at that level if he eliminates the turnovers. If he eliminates the negative plays, he's you go and all of a sudden you have a lot of all-conference level players on this team. And then you start looking at, well, this team can start playing with a lot of teams nationally. But if he keeps the negative plays and he doesn't figure that out until his sophomore year, the potential of this year's team is severely limited. Yeah, there's there's no way not to agree with that. Uh, I remember you bringing out Pole. Oh my goodness, that's a few great throwbacks in that conversation right there. <laughs> Jay Gaines, Dwayne Pole, those are names I haven't heard of in a long time. But yeah, just honestly, they weren't spectacular players. They weren't flashy like Kawhi Leonard or Malachi Flynn players. But they were just consistent. They were building blocks. They were the guys who you could always just rely on to be a good basketball player. Like, you expect him to be like the field general, to be that kind of guy who can direct the players. Just tell them, we need you there. No, set up the pick there. No, we're going to go for this kind of shot here and just change everything on the fly. That's what DJ Gay did best. And that's why he became such a winning player. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. One guy who I was – actually very impressed by who I'm really thankful he got back to like his old habits. Trey Pulliam. Trey Pulliam had himself a good game. He didn't score any points. He scored zero points, but he still had five rebounds, six assists. He led the team in assists. That is exactly what Trey Pulliam needs to do. And the best part about this, no personal fouls, two steals and one count it. One turnover. That's high for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is exactly what Trey Pulliam has to be doing. Like He is the guy who has to pass the ball. He has to set up the plays. He is the field general out there. He's the guy who's going to be directing everything. And I'm really happy he got back to doing that on Friday's game. It's like, yes, 
please, more of that, more of that, Trey. 100%, and I, and I, and I you know, you look at uh, some of our colleagues at East Village Times, um, the conversations you have with different people, and, and that's who they point to, Polium, as the person who's uh, where Butler should get some of his minutes, and people question whether Gomez should be starting instead of Polium. And you just look game in and game out, again, to the point that I just made about DJ Gay, you, you, you get somebody who can have the ball in his hands as frequently as Polium does without turning over the ball, Dutcher's going to depend on that person. And I, I personally love Trey's game. I, I think that, that his, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's another, it's another place of potential is, is when they, when they were able to defeat Arizona state and they're able to do these things, it's because he scored. Mm -hmm. Defenses are going to make him beat you. When, when the game is close, they're going to try to say, okay, okay, Trey Polian, that's the guy that we're going to circle, who's going to say, we want that guy to beat us. And Nevada, they, they, they did that, and they saw what happened. Um, but often teams are going to – they're going to leave him. They're going to and, – and when he's able to play within himself, do what he's great at, which is, Jason, to your point, it's not necessarily taking the open three, but it is getting the ball moving. It's attacking the basket and, and then finding other people. It's, it's what makes San Diego State's offense work. And, and you know, um, I think he's gotten a very uh, – I think he's gotten – he hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves. I really think it's great that you brought him up, Jason, because I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's a, he's a really solid, solid, solid player that if he can go from being good on the night when he is great, that will be – the difference for state in being able to, you know, play with anybody. Yeah, my one hope with Pulliam is I do believe he has a good shot in him and his game. I just wish he had the confidence to take it. And I think that's sometimes a issue with a few players that I have on this team. I I would like to say Sean Johnson. I think he is a really good player that Sometimes he doesn't take his shot, or sometimes he won't drive to the basket like he could. Just a little bit of confidence. But, yeah, with Pulliam, it's kind of that intangible. Yeah, you see six assists, but you don't see the great ball handling. Like, that doesn't go on the stat sheet. You don't see how he's able to facilitate the offense. He is that leader, and we'll bring it up always. Malachi Flynn was the whole package. He was that great scorer, yet he could – pass the ball around, everything could work through one player. SDSU just has to adjust and have different players have different roles now. Yeah, and, and, and again, I mean, you know, talking about the DJ Gay before and comparing him to Malachi Flynn, there's no comparison. And it's not fair to have that. And of course, San Diego State's offense last year compared to those DJ Gay years, you know, they weren't the same and they weren't as good uh, statistically and offensive efficiency and all of those kind of things. But again, I mean, you're, how many first round picks are you talking about from San Diego state? I mean, you're not talking about very many, much less from a guard. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, you look at, at Leonard, you're looking at a second round pick, Jamal Franklin. Um, you're looking at uh, another second round pick, uh, Jalen McDaniels. You're looking at a second round pick, Randy Holcomb before that. And these are all the same athletic kind of can play multiple positions kind of things. Malachi Flynn is a different cat than has ever been at San Diego State. And 
to expect anyone to be like him. And again, I mean, Duke, I don't know what their record is. Um, I think Krzyzewski is going to cancel the season because they're not good this year, but <laughs> say, say it's because of COVID. Um, but they, they don't have anybody like Malachi Flynn. You know, you look at anywhere in the country, Gonzaga doesn't have a player like Malachi Flynn. You just can't replace that. And so then what you do have, though, is you have Trey Polium, who's had the ball in his hands all game, every game, faced every kind of pressure, and he doesn't turn over the ball. He doesn't give easy baskets, which, again, San Diego State plays such good defense. Their games are always going to be close that three or four baskets any direction is all the difference in the game. And he just doesn't give it up. And he doesn't, he doesn't do that. Can he do more? Yes. He would probably he'd be the first to admit it. But you do also have to appreciate what's there rather than trying to get him to be something that, you know, an NBA player in Toronto or where are they playing Tampa Bay or wherever they, they can't play. Yeah. <laughs> wherever, wherever they're at. I mean, you know, so, so I think it's just not fair. And all that said, you know. This is not, Trey Pulliam is not a system guy, right? Like the advantage that Butler has is that when Butler is a senior, Butler will have been here for four years, right? Trey Pulliam is a junior college guy. He, he hasn't been with the program very long. And so that development matters. Those, those years that you just can't get back, they matter. And I think he's just been an absolute great find at some unknown junior college with not very many offers and all of this stuff and he's just been you know one of the best players at san diego state which is mm -hmm. a top 25 team and it's just it's great now i'm just hoping that we can repeat this performance today because yeah we had a great game on friday we just need to repeat this today if we can repeat it today perfect that's great we have another great win more fun stuff to talk about yeah. i think we can pull it off again However, my question is, how much of this was based on San Diego State's talent, which we have a lot of, and how much of it was based on Air Force and just how poor they've been doing this year? I think it's a nice blend of both, you can say, yeah. Yeah. because Air Force has been beaten up a little bit. They did lose a few of their starters. A lot of seniors graduated, and now they're kind of in that weird rebuilding process that a lot of, a lot of programs have to go through. So we'll see what happens today. Maybe we'll, will we get a continuation or are we going to get something different? Who knows? That's what makes college basketball so much fun. You never know what you're going to get. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, the Air Force Academy, they're not exactly known for, like, rolling over and not showing character and not showing tenacity and not showing, you know, they do things that, that none of us, I don't know, actually, I don't know you guys are really, things that I wouldn't have any idea about, you know. And they show up and they, they do all of those things. So, yeah, I would expect a great game. And, you know, I think uh, Air Force has won two um, conference games this year. And they've split each when they've won those games. And um, I think the, the intensity that the team comes out with I think is going to be really, really important because the second half was sloppy. After once all those other people came in, it was basically they were outscored or it was an even game. And... Um, that should be concerning. There, there is a lot to be there. Nathan Mensa had a difficult time against Utah State in the second game. That's when altitude hits them. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that are working against them. And, um, you know, they, 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 to your point, Jason, it, it, this game 
this game should be, you know, you, you look at it. I think my kids said, why are they only favored by 17 when they had a 50 point lead? And I said, well, it's because you're nine and you don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, 17 points. Yikes, that's, that'd be tough not to take Air Force on that. Just, just again, the history, you have a losing record since 2000, if you're the Aztecs. Um, and this, uh, Dutcher said that, that the whole second half, they didn't run one play. San Diego State didn't run one set because it was a brand new offense and they didn't want to run it seven more times and let Air Force be able to see it for preparation for this game. And, you know, so maybe that's the reason why State didn't score 150 points. I don't know, but it, it's, it's, it is absolutely concerning. And, you know, until State, I mean, I think, I, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but I think there's something like 33 and six in San Diego all time and 22 and 17 on the road. I mean, that disparity until there's, there's, and, and, you know, the level of athlete that comes to San Diego State versus the one that comes to Air Force is, is substantial, right? It's like Evan's intellect compared to mine, right? I'm the Air Force. Um, and, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's substantial. And yet every, every time they play a close game there, every time Air Force finds a way to win. And so this should be a concerning game. Seven o'clock, eight o'clock local time. Um, man, that that is they've been there now for a few days. They have all the reason in the world to think that this should be an easy game. And so maybe they can be a little bit lax. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But it's it's uh, as you say, Jason, can they do it again? And and that's a big thing. Well, gentlemen, it is currently raining where I live right now, and hopefully. It starts raining buckets for San Diego State today <laughs> basketball game. I do think this um, might be all the time we have for today. We had a pretty good run right here right now. So, um, Paul, if you have any last words, anything you want to add at the very end just to toss in here? Yeah, just uh, thank you guys for having me on. I think it's great work um, that you guys are doing and being able to um, talk about San Diego State sports and, and you know, the more – content and the more things that we can do I think it just makes um, everything that we're all involved with better um, so I appreciate the opportunity and uh, don't be shy if there's ever a time you want me to come on again that'd be awesome thank you guys and so I don't want I before we end this I don't want Paul to be this humble Paul is doing great work a lot of the clips on EBT's Twitter come from him a lot of these new videos for hyping up the football team are coming from Paul Paul's doing excellent work for EBT right now. I don't want him to leave and be super humble right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But, you know, the, the, the truth be told, um, what matters and what is valuable to me is that the stories of these student athletes is being told. Um, this is still amateur sports. This is still people, kids who are, for me, from my perspective, younger, right? Kids <laughs> who, are, who are working hard and who are doing things that, that most kids their age are not. And they're not doing it for millions of dollars yet. Some of them you know, might get that opportunity, but they're doing it in that anonymity. And if, if we can highlight that, I think it's great. I also would, would suggest that there are people on our team at East Village Times who are putting in that kind of work and doing the same thing with, with journalism. And so anything that I can do to support that, that's what I do it for. Um, you know, uh, my wife always keeps me humble. So there's no issue with that. 
Um, so, you know, just roll with it from that. But that that's honestly, honestly, credit or anything like that is, is truthfully the last thing that's on my mind. Um, but I do appreciate it, Evan. And again, Jason, Evan, you guys keep doing it. Keep doing it. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What a hardworking individual we have right here. Again, thank you all very much for listening to the East Village Times San Diego State University Sports Podcast. I am Jason Freund. I'm joined by Evan Anderson and our special guest, Paul Garrison. Thank you very much for listening to us today, and we hope you have a wonderful day.